Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. Well, President Biden visited Ukraine. So brave. In a stunning act of bravery. Magnificent and brave. And as you see him and Zelensky walking out, you hear the air sirens, the air raid sirens sound, and nobody flinches. The sirens that haven't gone off in months because there have been no air raids. And there wasn't one then either. No. It just was a siren. because, Because if there was, if there was a real threat, those people would have been getting the cover ASAP, not just chalantly. Yeah. I actually wonder if they actually even set the sirens off or they just dubbed it in. Inserted the sound. Yeah, like Brian yeah, Regan at the golf tournament. Right. Like that's, that's even why nobody if you even knew looked. it was coming. Right. Even if you knew it was coming, right. you would flinch. Right. It, there, that's a good point. There was the um, CNN news. And this happened, what? This was the beginning of the week. This was like four or five days yes. ago. So, but the CNN reporter said literally prior to the day of, of uh, Biden and, and Zelensky taking the walk and, and the siren going off, he said, I've been here for five days. There have been no bomb sounds, no missiles set overhead, no siren warnings, no nothing. And all of a sudden, timed right exactly when it shows Biden and Zelensky walking out, an air raid siren goes off. And nobody moves. Nobody flinches. Nobody does anything. What drives me crazy about this is then that the mainstream media have been gushing over how brave and heroic and historic that he would go into such a dangerous war zone and the air raid sirens are going off and all, and all this. Folks, if you've ever wondered if you should take these people seriously, this seals the deal. The answer is no. There's That is the dumbest thing to think that that is real is the dumbest thing you can possibly. And this is how dumb they think we are. And unfortunately, some people do believe it. But it just proves that these news organizations that report this are not serious and they're not to be trusted because they're, it, it wasn't real people. Look, if it had been a real air raid, they would have done something. This, the Secret Service would have been snatching Biden out of there faster than you can blink an eye. And they did nothing. So it's just so, it's so absurd. These are grown adult people reporting this like it's serious. I mean, that's so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for them that they would sell their soul and do this kind of partisan stuff. I have nothing to say. Um, I have nothing to say. I saw Corinne yeah, Jean-Pierre. Yeah, Corinne Jean-Pierre kept uh, here. Actually, I have it here. I mean, the trip that... President Biden to, to Kiev, as many of you reported on, was uh, historic. It was brave. Many of you talked about how we heard the, the sirens wailing uh, in the background as the president was on the ground. Remember, there was there is no military uh, on the ground in, in Ukraine, U.S. military on the ground in Ukraine. And the president took Yet. this trip to send a very clear message, not just Yikes. to the people of Ukraine, not just to Russia, but the world. Also, it was a statement to the people of East Palestine. That he yeah, cares that, about Ukraine yep. more than he cares about you. So it was, a, it was a message to them, too. He cares about covering his tracks. I get it, tracks. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> tracks, get it? Tracks. <laughs> I don't even understand. Because the train fell off the oh, tracks. Oh, train tracks. <laughs> covering, I mean, you know, his his corruption in yes, Ukraine. But notice the emotionally charged language. Historic. Brave. Sirens were wailing. They just, it's all a show. Yeah, it's historic all, levels of gaslighting is what it is. <laughs> and all of this is, um, we are funding all of this, sending all this money over there, doing all this. Primarily, I, I mean, what, I don't know if it's primarily. A, a major contributing factor is to cover up the corruption of our political leaders, including the Biden family in Ukraine. I mean, if we don't pay up and do all these things for them, then they start spilling the beans. So it's that's what's so frustrating. And I think it was I think it was Janet Yellen, the uh, lawn gnome that um, <laughs> made the statement that we're we just approved another 10 billion. I think that was from her. I, I know that we've approved another 10 billion dollars to go to Ukraine. Um, John Kirby uh Defense Department spokesman said last week when he was just talking, um, I think it was Shannon Bream. She said she threw out the number. We've sent two hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. He did not dispute it by his. I mean, by his silence, he acknowledged we have sent two hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. So um, someone had looked up the numbers reported. It was on the on the Pat Gray show. That yet, for the best they could tell, we've sent 196 billion. Germany has sent 172 billion, and all other countries combined, it was somewhere in the 70s, 74, 76 billion, something like that. He came up with a number of like, so we've sent 400 or 343 billion dollars. Keith, you're off by 100 billion. I mean, they were they were freaking out over that, but well, maybe that's about right. So, I mean, think about that. We've spent spent 300, Ukrainians had basically almost $350 billion sent to them. So, pretty wild. Well, well, that's not even right. That'd be 400 and some. Because 196 and 172, that puts you almost to 400 billion, right? That puts you at like 370 billion yeah. or so. And then another yeah. 70 some. That's what, no, that's what he's off by 100 billion. It's not 340 billion, it's 440 billion. Imagine what I could do with that kind of money. Yeah, somebody was, uh, Tucker Carlson was running through what you could do with like $100 billion here in the U.S. And uh, it was pretty significant. Uh, yeah. Build a wall. <clears throat> a lot of walls. <laughs> Build a bunch of walls. Bunch of walls. Walls everywhere. So along the lines of Ukraine and uh, Russia... Vladimir Putin said that they're suspending participation in the New START nuclear treaty. However, do we believe that they were really not developing or working on any kind of nuclear technologies? Well, the, now there's a difference between developing nuclear technologies, which and weapon. Right? There is there are arguments that Russia is actually ahead of us, and, and also, and then there's a difference between that and working oh, on delivery on, methods. Yeah. Yeah, delivery methods of about, nuclear payloads. And this was a limit to how much like they could possess, how many warheads, things like that they could they could have. So apparently no more. I would limits. think that I would think that if they were produ- if they'd been producing more this whole time that we would know. And also, I mean, how many nukes can you shoot at once? 
I know. I know. Like, <laughs> like yeah. how many do you need? Well, all these, yeah. all these things cost <laughs> money too, and yeah. I'm not so sure that the Russian economy was up to funding a whole lot of that. Is ours? No, not really. But we're not. We're not doing it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what great? I mean, if we are, the Chinese definitely know where. Yeah, with their balloons. <clears throat> yep. I was listening to Joe Rogan interview Eric Wein. Is it Weinstein or Weinstein? It's a great question. It's W E W E I N S T E I N. Nice job, e Weinstein. I? So in German, in German, the E I is pronounced like an I. Okay. So Eric Weinstein, it who's does. a physicist, do you know him? Is he German? I know of no, him. No, he's a well, know, Weinstein. Ox- sounds a little bit. What's the same? He's the same nationality as Ben Shapiro. Oxa, uh, whatever, something Jew. What was what that? Occidental. No. I know. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you didn't mean Orthodox, did you? No. It's, it's like oh, Ossoscani or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because Ben Shapiro's family is apparently Russian and Lithuanian. Yeah, but when you, he had said before when he, they do like a DNA, he's yeah, 100% know, whatever. Anyways, he was saying about Ukraine, because um, he kind of comes from that neck of the woods, his family origins, and he's talking about how those borders shift all over the place. Um, so it's hard to say exactly, like, this is the country I'm from, because the borders historically have shifted all the time. But he was stating how there haven't been a lot of advancements. We look at uh, all the technology, so to speak, you know, in, in the last 20, 30 years about what incredible advancements there all have been. But he said that's all really just a matter of aesthetics. But the technology that we've known about to do this has been around for a long time. He actually says there hasn't been, there's been very, very little true advancement in the realm of science and understanding since like 1972, 73. He said, which is mind boggling when you look back historically at all the advancements that were being made. Because there's nothing new really in the world of physics that new real truth and understanding that has really been solidified and all advancements come through physics so i thought that was kind of interesting so nuclear nuclear weapons is a matter of physics and engineering so when i talk about what advancements have um you know russia made it makes me wonder because it, it, it takes money to do research you know physics to try to develop those theories and the weapons that would go along with them. Um, I, I don't know if their economy has what it takes to support that. So what, what are we, what's this, uh, what are we talking about now? World War Three? Yeah, I guess we're so. talking about World War Three. Does this have anything to do with sending 200 more troops to Taiwan, which seems, um, like an insignificant amount. I would think we had way more than that there already. Not to mention right, our yeah. presence in, our presence in uh, South Korea, or, yeah, South Korea, is pretty significant too. Like in the region, I don't think two hundred is anything unless, um, unless we're like actively. You, those are two hundred there to actively train the Taiwanese military. I think the um, concerning, most concerning thing about it to me would be that the uh, headline on one of these is the U.S. to expand troop presence in Taiwan in bid. To fend off Chinese invasion, officials say. So, like, they're not even coming up with another bid? reason. Sh- 
Like, it's straight up because of Chinese invasion, meaning that we would totally, I don't know, it's just, yeah. Why would Taiwan think that we wouldn't support them, at least at the sa- right. in the same way that we've supported Ukraine? If we, you know, well, I guess because Hunter Biden never did any shady deals in Taiwan. <laughs> That's why Taiwan's panicking because they don't have. We don't have uh, any dirt don't on have any, them. We don't have any. We don't have any, we don't have any Biden dirt. How are we gonna get yeah. Ukraine level money without some dirt on them. Hunter Biden? We got. Hey, quick! Somebody, somebody, invite uh, Hunter Biden here for a debauchery-filled, all ex- all-inclusive <laughs> paid vacation of drugs and hookers, and record all of it. <laughs> okay, here it is. Ashkenazi Jews, Jews. Oh, yes, that's right. Ashkenazi. Who are members of the Jews who lived in the Rhineland Valley and in the neighboring France before the immigration eastward to Slavic lands. Poland, Can Lithuania, you spell that? Russia. Yeah, A S H K E N A Z I. That's what I wanted to know if it ended in the word Nazi. And yes, it does. I thought that was pretty weird. I haven't listened to anything because I'm freaked out. People that I usually see as reasonable voices in the media, um, uh, are they're freaking me out with all their talk about Russia and China collaboration and World War Three and the potential okay. that if we well, do that, one. somebody that I always thought was going to be an ally, India, might not be because they're too financially well, involved with China. Right. That's here's freaky. Something, here's something to scare you even more. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Eric Weinstein was saying that it's actually, they were discussing this, much worse than what you think. Oh, good. Because he said they're <laughs> basically the idea of all these variables based on the lives that we all live that are set in routine. <clears throat> There's, you know, these multiple things going on on the world stage that, that exponentially increase the probability of something going haywire. And we don't, and that's compounded by the fact that we don't realize it because we all live pretty routine, you know, um, lives, predictable lives that we just, by force of habit, assume are going to be, could remain to be pretty consistent. And so he just said, he was, you know, saying how this has a real compounding effect for more problems to go down the road. And then I heard Glenn Beck interviewing a guy who, wrote some kind of a, a book about like where the world stands in, in as far as preppers and things like that. There are people out there who are taking this like countries that are taking this real serious. Did you hear this? Switzerland. I, saw, I watched a little bit. I watched a little bit of um, that special. Glenn Beck did an actual special on it, not just talk to somebody. Oh, the and nuclear he talked about, one. Yeah, yeah I listened talked to about the interview how, on his show. Talked about how all of the you know, different countries, like Russia is telling can, people to clean out the old fallout shelters. Yeah. Switzerland can house, they have underground bunkers enough to house 102% of their country's population. They have their own, like, personal bunkers, and, right? yeah, and, they, were and like, they were told, the government told everyone to go down, clean them out, make sure everything's up to date, make sure they're fully stocked just recently. And, and that's on top of, remember, we've been talking about for a while how our government had been purchasing all those nuclear fallout kits and the types of things that you would want to take 
to prevent right. but radiation poisoning. And it's not just the, the bunkers themselves. It's um, like air filtration systems and water filtration and all these other things that you have to go along with it. And the, this guy was saying that the, the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm trying to not, you know. Uh, You're trying to be PC? Yeah. Um, they have, First time ever. They have <laughs> enough bunkers and food all prepared already, and they continue to prepare. They could feed all of Salt Lake City. Okay. I, at first, I was going to say, you know what? Sounds like we're screwed. And whatever. I'll go be with Jesus. But if the Mormons are going to survive and then <laughs> convert everyone to Mormonism, and now I'm like, now I'm motivated to survive also. You know, Cage, you brought this up a, a podcast or two ago about um, Glenn Beck has an unusual focus on the Holy Spirit given that he's Mormon. I, I would bet you that that Glenn Beck spends a lot more time in reading the Bible than he does in the Book of Mormon. I don't know that for sure. He goes to Mormon. What translation he goes to of Mormon the Bible? Temple. They're probably limited in what. Which translations of the Bible do they, they include only, with the Book of Mormon? Yeah, I think they only like read, consider, you know. Like what would what would King you James select? Well, that's not. Not that it would. Yeah. Just curious. If if you're worried about that, then you have to go back to the oldest, most reliable manuscripts oh, that you can oh, find yeah, and read it in Hebrew. Well, no, and if Greek you're worried about and, yeah, if you're worried about accuracy or idea for like you know word for word, then you would limit to the ESV or the RSV. But, well, New American Standard's pretty rigid in its yeah. translation. Um, the thing that's fl- faulty about that. I've always thought, though, is for people that say, well, I, you know, they go back to the oldest, most reliable manuscripts. Okay, but that's still dependent. Even if you were going to say that you were going to read that, that's dependent upon your ability, your yeah, skill your and knowledge to read of, and understand yeah. this old language. The yeah. LDS so, of, so good the luck LDS, with that. Culturally as well, yeah. The LDS edition of the Bible is the Book of Mormon and uh, King James Version. That's what I thought. I, I don't... I'm not going to denigrate the King James, but it's not the but it's not the greatest translation. It was translated yeah. by people who were not even saved, primarily. Let alone it was, tra- it was translated Spirit. by people who use the church as a weapon. Yeah, it's kind so. of why our country exists. But it is important that it did offer the Bible to people in their own language. Yeah, and I and I think that as far as idea for idea, I believe that God's word is inerrant. It's it's you, not been corrupted. Oh yeah, but we're, Cassidy, I mean, you mean yeah. that you don't like Latin Mass? <laughs> no, they're a bunch of. You think people should terrorists. have the Bible in their own language? <laughs> Latin mass is so. I still don't get it. I'm saying this. I'm going to say it every week now. Call back. I'm going to find. I'm going to find a spot <laughs> to say how it. weird Latin mass is every week. Anything else you have to say about prepping? Yeah, do it. Uh, Everybody, do it at least a little bit. At least a little yeah. bit. You need to do something. Yeah. I have uh, filled out quite well a uh, an amazon list that's a joint list for us that it's like gas cans uh paper atlas uh like stuff <laughs> to go along with the food and stuff that we have and well, medical supplies you might still be able to use a gps 
And if something has happened to where you can't use your GPS, you also won't be able to use your car. So I don't know what the Atlas is You said do. this, but could I not, if I was determined enough, find a way to get my car started? No. Because of the battery? Is that? No. Because their cars are way too computerized now. The computers they control have computers. all of the firing controls everything. of your, of your- Cylinders, yeah, your valves, your internal your combustion engine fuel will not work. Put into the cylinders, all that's controlled by computer. Unless you oh, have something from okay. like when the when I have 60s. my dream car in my yeah. If you went car. back to a car that I think that just purely had points and plugs, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't you still have a battery I, issue though? No, I think that that okay. I think that I think that vehicle would operate. So basically, electrostatic charge affects things like, um, you know, semiconductors yeah. and logic, yeah. and especially like microcontrollers, like programmed microcontrollers. So, like when you build up a static charge walking across a room in your socks, and it's dry out, and you touch something, and you get that uh, that static discharge. It's like that, but in the air. That's an EMP. And it's go. It will fry everything. Batteries aren't really susceptible to that. Your battery would be fine, but your computer would not work. Now, if you had a backup for every single uh, circuit board computer <laughs> that was in your car inside of a Faraday cage, and the EMP went off, and then you went and you took all the you know the things that you had had shielded and reinstalled it into your car, then sure. But you would need backups for everything. You'd have like a second. I car do know a, a guy. Ooh, could probably get me all that. <laughs> the price is going to go up. Yeah. Supply yeah, unless you get it demand. beforehand. That's, yeah. yeah. Didn't we just talk about last week having, yeah, that, we did. like with yeah. the generator, you'd have yeah. to have a second yeah. board ready to go. That Same thing. Same thing with your car. So, well, let's just, since we're on the theme, we might as well keep going. That... You know, we've been talking about these fires and you got the spillages trained to run with whatever. Well, dad sent us over the, since last episode, since we were done recording oh, to now, a me slew of every day. Every day, new fire, new explosion. We will put them all, but I will just list just the ones that he sent in our group chat since then was a manufacturing facility in Chicago, a sausage plant in Italy, in in Italy. (laughs) KJP. Canada. A A manufacturing plant in Ohio, a Brooklyn lumber facility. That one actually makes the most sense, a lumber facility. Okay, this is the serious one. A uranium compound in Tennessee. What's hmm. happening? It's everywhere. I mean, every day there's something else. We we are and, un- we are under attack. And the people who were going to clean up in Ohio died in a plane crash in, Arcan- uh, in Arkansas. Yeah, they the were headed there. to East Palestine. Scientists to cl- help with yeah, the cleanup, was, and they yeah. died in a plane crash getting off the ground. Do you know what airport that is? No. In Little Rock, the Bill and Hillary Clinton. Oh, enough said. Airport. <laughs> add two. Add what is it? Five. Add five more to the body count. And that guy that they found the shot with suicide. a shotgun with a yeah with a, <laughs> a with a cord around his neck like he was gonna hang himself, but he was shot with a shotgun in the chest. And they and no, said it was a suicide. And no gun around. No gun around. And it and was he was suicide. connected to the Clintons. Yeah. He was connected to the Clintons. And Epstein. <laughs> How Epstein didn't kill himself. 
how does it, how does how can police get away with making that ruling? That it was a suicide. That, that was a suicide. When there's no, no gun present. That's insane. There was literally no gun present. It was a shotgun blast to the chest, but there was no gun present at the scene. Did they? What did they say? Like someone broke in and just stole the shotgun, like oh, a okay. crime of I opportunity. Found the, so it was former Clinton aide Mark Middleton. They said shotgun discovered near the body. So he shot himself in the chest and chucked it. How is that possible? (laughs) Don't you know it's a natural reflex to fling your arms outward (laughs) upon death? What? As you're holding a 12-inch shotgun out. You're you're already (laughs) holding it at arm's distance in order to shoot yourself in the chest with a shotgun. Well, first of all, if it's a standard 12-gauge, he wouldn't have been able to reach the trigger unless he had a stick or something. It was 30 feet. The shotgun was 30 say, how feet far away. away. So he, maybe he had it. Maybe he, right. he had it tied, and he pulled a string that pulled the I got trigger. It. And nope, it, nope. He was swinging back and forth very, like, intensely from the cord around his neck, and he shot himself on the peak of the outswing. And so when he shot himself and his <laughs> muscles let go, he was had full forward momentum on the cord, and it launched it 30 feet. So he started to hang himself first. What if the blast of the shotgun to speed itself? The process what if the blast of the shotgun itself actually propelled the shotgun thirty feet away from? Because if you're loosely holding on to a twelve gauge shotgun yeah. and you shoot it, it will launch itself a little bit. Okay, I bet not it would. thirty feet. Not thirty feet, but maybe it was a combination of the self propel from the shotgun muzzle and him swinging on the cord. I figured it. I cracked the case. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I cracked the what? Clintons did it. That's a real. What even is this? Char- okay. The additional papers written by Sergeant Keenan Carter also detailed the lengths Middleton, 59, went to ensure his suicide attempt was successful by standing on a bench and tying an electrical cord around his neck before finally shooting himself in the chest. What? Did they find anything I'm that allowed confused. him to fire just... the shotgun? Because he, could, he didn't <laughs> yeah. do that. He didn't do that unless he was he like six. So eight? it's believed it is believed that Mr. Middleton pulled the trigger on the firearm, causing it to discharge and strike him in the chest. And then he fell from the bench, causing the extension cord to become tight, cutting off his breathing. Doesn't explain the shotgun 30 feet away. Yeah. And the and the empty syringe of fentanyl in his arm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and unless again, he had to have something that allowed him to. Uh, operate the trigger because a normal person you know average guy could not reach the trigger on a 12 gauge yeah regardless this is very sad so yeah i i I heard somebody trying to explain that all of these um every single day there's some you know some big massive fire that's polluting the air or there's food processing plants being burned up and on and on that are we? Is this retribution for us blowing up Nord Stream? Is this the Russians doing it? And uh. the answer to that is no, because this has been going on long before we blew up Nord Stream. You know how that old, you know that Brian Regan bit where he's like, "News you can trust," and he's like, "There's a big <laughs> fire downtown." Maybe. maybe. Well, now you have to change maybe to probably. Yeah, they could just report. <laughs> There's a big that. fire downtown, probably. <laughs> there is, there is, there is most days day. there is most days so 
probably there's a big fire. If it's downtown. not our town, it's another town. Yeah, but I, I, when you look at everybody that everything that's being done in the world is meant to create chaos, they want it. Then why wouldn't we just create it ourselves? Since that's what we want. I mean, I I hate to be so cynical, but prove me wrong. I mean, I'd be happy to be wrong. You know what? I don't even. I've gotten to the point. It's like. In East Palestine, the train derailment kind of did this for me. I don't even care anymore about left, right, Republican, Democrat, because there's been so many contradictory things come out of that I've read um, about nobody's there. There's seven agencies there. Nothing's happening. Here's what's going. They're doing all of this. You know, um, I, I don't even care anymore. It's my new motto is just fix it. I, I don't care what. Your political motivation is, I don't care what party you're aligned with. We can all agree this is bad. It's harmful to the country and the people, you know, her citizens. Just fix it. Yeah, divert some of that Ukrainian money. I mean, can't we all agree that toxic fire and stuff pluming up into the air is bad for all of us? I mean, it, d- d- it, does that ha- does that take a political party to say one side says it's good and one side says it's bad? I mean, there's a lot of these things we can just all agree. Every you know, having over a thousand trade derailments a year, I think most of us can agree that's bad. Um, the fact that we're having food shortages uh, and inflation and rising, I mean, we can all agree that's just that's not good for us. Let's let's just fix it i don't care what political party you're a part of let's just fix it well the wall street journal published an article that says the solution to your food shortages and inflation is to save money maybe you should skip breakfast whoa because <laughs> eggs are one of the biggest <laughs> um that's crazy wouldn't it be wouldn't it be funny if Zelensky? pledged to send like a hundred million dollars in aid to east palestine <laughs> he's got he's got money to spare he's like oh, help out the less fortunate his country's at war and he describes like east palestine as the less fortunate and donates them money i don't know why that'd be funny to me <laughs> do you understand when they say skip breakfast to cut down on your food cost you understand that we are halfway between the old U.S. and Ethiopia. No, not Ethiopia. Back in the 1990s, North Korea, which was suffering through a terrible famine, adopted a slogan which cheerfully asked its impoverished citizens to eat less. I mean, it's... That's the, the opening line in The Guardian's rebuttal. <laughs> remember when... Um, Trump referred to other countries in certain places in the world as third world crap holes. And he took a lot yeah. of grief from yeah. it. Okay, yeah. we're that, close. that's where we're headed. That, yeah, that third world crap holes get, you know, one or two meals a day, maybe. I mean, if you look at the timeline of the rise and fall of Venezuela, it's fascinating, really. I mean, because they... Um, they were like the second most wealthy um, country in the Western Hemisphere behind the United States. Um, 
and they were like the world's they were also the second um leader in f-150 imports i mean they were an incredibly successful wealthy country and it took 20 years for them to go the socialist route and they were completely destroyed 20 years and they're eating dogs yeah that was it i mean in in our i mean even me and cassidy's lifetime they went from being the second wealthiest nation in the western hemisphere to like i don't like twenty thousand dollars to buy a chicken that's crazy yeah (laughs) we just watched one of the hgtv shows we watched the other day and they got chickens for these people they did their house in the backyard and i was like look how small that like the little chicken coop was they had like three or four chickens in there i was like we could easily have that we need that but then it gets way too cold like the chickens would not lay at all for us what do people do you just I mean, obviously, people around you guys that have chickens. Don't you have a spare they don't room? Get chickens. They don't get eggs don't in the winter. I know. I know. I was like, put them inside. They don't get wig- they they a don't spare get eggs room. In yeah, they have a spare I room. I do a minute. We could put the chickens in here. <laughs> that's what I, just, I that's did what actually I say that. Asking. I actually said to Cole, I was like, I mean, we could put you them know, inside. <laughs> that point about um, that, and our, our, how fast a government can. I mean, and that was their governmental policy that ruined their country in 20 years. Um, Bongino was referencing um, a Wall Street Journal article that was appeared back like, you know, the Mitt Romney, um, Barack Obama era that looked at two different cities, uh, different areas. One like I think one was Baltimore and the other one was somewhere, you know, in the Ozarks, you know, um, kind of that uh, depressed area um, in Appalachia or something like that. And they both got very large amounts of government subsidies, government money, and they both had the exact same problems. Even though one was the big city and one was Appalachia. And it just demonstrates it's, it's the government, their programs and all the stuff they do along with it, especially in this case, funding all this stuff with rather than the people working for themselves um, that caused the problem. It is the way we go about implementing these policies. We did a, a mission trip to Appalachia. Um, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. And we worked on this family's home that had two adult sons that were just horrible drug addicts, you know, meth, heroin, teeth falling out of their head. And they had, they were completely dependent on the government for their subsistence. Um, And the thing that got me was we did a lot of repair on their home, which had actually been built like in 1980. It was crazy. And yet you'd have thought the thing was like 200 years old. Um, Literally they lived 30 miles down the road was a real city with real jobs and you know real housing and real they stayed on that piece of property that had been in their family for you know generations because by golly that was their family's property and they stayed there and within a couple of years after we had been there i found out that both of those those boys were dead from drugs and nothing was any better off at all but they were 
the, the government made it possible for them to stay in that condition rather than just moving literally 30 miles into a real city and getting real jobs and having real lives. They're basically complicit in their deaths. Yes. I remember I came home. I preached a sermon the next Sunday, the first Sunday I was home, called Lipstick on a Pig because that's all that mission trip was. When we went down there and we helped them, all we did was put lipstick on a pig. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of mission trips are, and it would um, behoove the people that do them to uh, realize that. Yeah, so we've never gone back on that to that place because that that was my feeling of the whole operation was what they were doing. So it was like one of the old um, founding fathers who talked about social safety nets not allowing. You know, people won't better themselves until a lot of times they've hit rock bottom. Well, that social safety net just keeps them hovering right there above rock bottom where mm. if you let them go down, if you let them get just a little bit worse, it wouldn't take much. They, I mean, they could potentially, I mean, some people would still die, but there's potential that they wouldn't just, you know. Yeah, but they end up dying anyways. Stagnate. I mean, no, I'm saying the, that if if you let it get worse, there is potential some of for them. them right. might so actually some of them back. might actually better themselves instead. Right, right. Yeah. I know. Keep them, yeah, but I mean, keep what them I'm saying is if they enough. die, then they. But like for example, the illustration I just gave, those guys died anyway. They killed themselves anyways from the way that they were living, but they continued to live it. They hadn't reached rock bottom yet. They didn't have to reach rock bottom to die. The governments aided them in their own deaths. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not saying rock bottom kills you. I'm saying rock bottom is, yeah, I know. could Bounce be the back. point where people would turn themselves around and they're just yeah. not allowed to go there. And the way we manage the money that the money that we don't have, um, you know, this is starting to pop up now that uh, medic medic uh, Social Security, you know, has been on the on the in focus for a while that supposedly by. It's ranged from 2033 to 2037. I've seen different numbers that it's going to be, it's going to be gone. Um, and even, but now I just heard today that Medicare by 2027 is going to be in big trouble and may not be able to function as we know it. Um, the stock market, I hear people now predicting like within the next several weeks, expect to see a big plunge in the stock market. Because you always expect to see the, uh, the like over a 10-year um, period, you expect to see it do better than in the short term, like compared to a, the two. 10 years should always be better than two years. Well, apparently now we don't have that, which I find amazing because the stock market's been really down the last four or five months. It's really taken a beating. So... But now we're, we're in that inverse where the 10-year is not better than the last two years, which is mind-boggling, which they said is an indicator that we've got real problems coming. And I told Cade, I, I got a new term now. Um, for those of us in my age group, the 50s and 60s, you, know, you have the, the Depression generation. You have the, the, the greatest generation of the World War II generation. You have the flower power, you know, free love generation of Vietnam and all that. Well, I— those of us now in our 50s and 60s, we're in the screwed over generation. To be fair, you're also in the screwed it up generation. I'm not. I mean, no, I, the generation 
Well, I'm I'm on the tail end. It is the, You're on full, the tail end of the baby. It boomers. is the full blown baby boomer, the heart of the baby boomer yeah. generation. It screwed it screwed it up. Yeah, so you're in that generation. I'm on the very tail end of it, yeah. My point in being why we're, why are we the screwed over generation? Because Social Security, I, I worked all my life. I've worked for 40 consecutive years. I, I, I mean, I didn't screw it up by freeloading and not paying my fair share. The government said, give us your money, and we'll see that when you retire that you have something back to take care of yourself not i mean not the full freight probably with social security obviously but it's something well that's going to be that very well may not be there i can't depend on it the stock market where we invest our 401ks and our 403bs and all these it's totally you know i lost 20 percent you know it's supposed to grow i lost you lost 20 percent there last year and it's you know, probably going to take a much bigger crash than even that. And so here we sat and ready for a retirement and all this stuff that we banked, that we were promised and counted on the way the system was set up is going to be in the trash can. If all we talk about is political, economical, or cultural negatives, and this is terrible, right? Can I offer you hope? So we're talking about generations, right? So like Gen X, right, like culture, if you look culturally, so this is from a research on like faith, theological research stuff, the way that people are are leaving the church and we have right now people who identify as non-religious or like religious nuns are now like the largest demographic in America. And this like, the way that people have been basically Gen Z is kind of raised in this like in a new era but they had like this the echo of an old era still around well like Gen Alpha is like not going to have that at all and they will be the first unreached people group in American history they will be considered like an unreached people group for the church but last night I went to see the it was the premiere of the Jesus Revolution movie, and I believe Kate said you're going tonight. Um, it was really good and it was well done. Not a hokey Christian movie. Uh, really well done, and basically it's the story of the hippies. You mentioned the Flower Power people, right? How they uh, Lonnie Frisbee, he was this hippie, but he was saved and wanted to like bring the gospel to hippies, but at the same time they felt like he's like these people. They're searching for truth, and that's, like, really what all this stuff is. The, the drugs, all the other stuff, like, it's, it's a search for truth and a search for God. And you have the answer, but you won't open the doors. Like, churches weren't letting them in. If they went there, they were said, get those people out of here. They don't belong here, all this stuff, right? And how Chuck Smith took them in, opened his doors, and it sparked this whole revolution of, like, the Jesus people movement, right? And watching it, it felt really timely for not only the reasons of, you know, we just had the Asbury kind of thing spark and you see how young people are hungry for this kind of thing. And I don't necessarily know that, you know, they're not necessarily looking for the same things or the same answers as that that generation was. I think if you look at the young people now, um, probably more like, well, identity is obviously a huge issue. I think they're looking for something, right, in a world where they have to, nothing is trustworthy because if everything is true, like nothing can be true. So, what can they believe? Well, Having to find their own way, make their own truth. They're looking for something that they can trust that's something that's real, something that's authentic. Um, and we have that, but 
I do think that, I mean, I was felt convicted in it that there's totally these people where I would look at them. Not that I, if they showed up at church, I wouldn't, you know, kick them out or tell them they had to leave, but you would, that I certainly haven't made this group of people feel like they would be welcomed or like that they, it would be okay for them to come into my church. And I don't know. I just, I just feel like this movie, if people go see it, it could change like a lot if they could really shake things up and I think if, especially if you go into it with an open heart like and ask God you know to to speak to you through it like how in your life you know what is it analogous like make a prayer Psalm 139 like search my heart Lord and uh show me and I it could be a I'd go watch it I think you it's still good. have to be so I think you still have to be selective on who you let stay there you let everybody in but there are absolutely people now that would be subversive to your church and be subversive yeah, to the Bible. I'm not talking about I, that, I understand. I understand. But I, I know what kind of people that I, that I think that I would do that with. And we, we think about like the modern, like a lot of the, um, the woke church. It's a lot of churches, a lot of them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, tolerate that yes so which is the line like i'm not going to change the gospel for them obviously so there i mean there's a difference between being welcoming and it's it's but but to say to them no it's a come as you are but don't stay that way and also you can't come in here and start telling me the woke church does this the woke church lets those people in and says you're looking for truth or whatever. Yeah, it's complete. You, you're trying acceptance. to make your own. Yeah, they're trying. You're trying to make your own truth. Well, we accept whatever it is. No, the real church says, you are looking for the answers, looking for purpose, for meaning, for truth, for identity, and all these things. You think that it's in just going after whatever feels right, and you've been doing it. But you know what? You're still riddled with the anxiety because they are. You look at this generation. Like, have you seen the numbers for like the rise and young? Adolescent girls are like the number one, you know, risk. They're at this huge risk for anxiety and depression. It's crazy. And so obviously that's not the answer. The real church says, I, we have that answer and it's Jesus. Right. I want to go way back to where you started this. They may not use the word. They may not think of it in these terms. But when you boil it all down, what they are looking for is the truth. They're looking for something that's actually real, that matters, that's going to produce for them in their lives what they want to produce, what they're seeking. And so they are looking for truth. And what, yeah, what Cade is in, in, and you are describing as these two different churches is in that what we've seen with this, the more woke church is they will change the gospel to make everybody feel good where what was going on with Chuck Smith and what became Calvary Chapel was we have the truth and what you're looking for, you change your life in accordance with the truth and then you'll get what it is that you're looking for. Not that we're going to validate you. And I had one of the best examples. You guys know this story. I had an older woman that was in her 80s that came to me when I was pastoring in California who was suicidal. And she said that she'd been to numerous Christian counselors through all these problems that she had and it never helped her. It never, but they were, they were, um, let's just say more entrenched mainline denominations that were just religion. When I told her what she was doing, she had been, been very promiscuous in multiple extramarital affairs, all of her adult life, blah, blah, blah. And I simply told her that's wrong. 
That's sinful. You shouldn't do that. No Christian counselor had ever told her that. By me giving her that absolute, it freed her. It gave her the ability to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And it changed her. Well, this, I think, is a, is a good point of distinction, too, in the, the two churches we're talking about here. Is there's a point in the movie where Greg Laurie's character, um, his now his wife, who really they met in all of this she like tells him you know to gets him to come to the church with him with her and or not with her he just comes he she tells her to, him to come and uh he you can tell like he experiences something there that's like real and it overwhelms him and he starts he walks out he goes and she goes out after him and he brings up and he says like what if it's like i, I can't take being let down again what if it's just like another drug where it's like a hit, it's a high, and then it's gone. And that is, you know, the woke church is that's what they're going to be giving you by affirming it. It's going to make you feel good in the moment. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. But right. then you're st- there's going to be a letdown. You're riddled with all the stuff. And, and you know, the real church is like, no, we have, you know, the answer that lasts. And it's a, a hope that, that never can be taken away. But on the same token, one thing right now in, in society and culture is that happiness is seen as the ultimate goal. And anything that's pain is the enemy pain has to be rid of and we also have to though um reframe that idea too because the idea is like yes we have it's not just a hit it's not just a high it's a real thing but that doesn't mean that you're not ever subject to pain pain is actually a beautiful thing that that produces so much fruit and maturing and growth what is the and without uh, pain and without pain you actually don't know what you can't actually have the you hear high people either. talk, yeah. You hear people all the time who are trying to get out of pain and misery. Their lives are so miserable, and they go down all these paths that aren't true. And if you ask them five years down this path of trying to all these different things to relieve their misery, they none of it's relieved. They're always worse off because they've just been now. It's it's compounded, let down like what you were just saying with Greg Laurie, let down over and over and over again, rather than ever just finding the hard truth about your situation is up to you. You have to be accountable for yourself, be responsible, do the hard work, make the changes, pursue the right things, even though they're sometimes difficult. That's where the happiness and the relief of pain come from. And you, you, you still remember James? from school Cassidy in elementary school we went to Christian school so we memorized scripture all the time oh, yeah, James yeah, yeah, 1 yeah. yeah I thought consider you were talking it, about a person consider it <laughs> pure, pure joy, joy my brothers, brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything I was going to quote the whole thing with you but I realized the delay it was probably hard <laughs> think about Go back and do it after. <laughs> think about what is um, what we often think of in human beings as the most painful thing that a human experiences: natural childbirth. So physical, literal. Okay, yes, it's actually and the most beautiful. I think it's it produces the greatest thing the greatest in single, humanity. Yes. Yeah, the greatest pain produces the greatest wow. gift. Tweet. That's tweetable. I've always heard that a uh, femur fracture is a 10 they in say, childbirth. Yeah, that's only comparable. Say it! Say it. <laughs> Brian Regan. Ding. <laughs> anyway, no, so. yeah, it's so do you guys you guys know who You guys know who Chuck Smith is, right? Yes. I've been telling people yeah, Mom talked about it. I've been telling people this movie 
I'm so excited for many reasons. But one, if it weren't for Chuck Smith, I wouldn't be sitting here right now because he set my grandparents up on a blind date. Yep, their first date. Uh, your grandpa lived with him and his wife Kay when he was yeah. in college at, at University of Arizona. So, was, so before so, before this stuff occurred. But. Yeah, yeah. And now, know, I did say, past... okay, here's it. Kelsey Grammer actually looks like a pretty decent Chuck Smith, but he's he way too old. old for Chuck he's at that, way yeah, too old. At that point Chuck would have been yeah. like 41 when that yeah. happened. I remember our pastor in San Diego that when I, uh, mom and I first started attending after Mary, being married, and then I, I, I was on staff there. <clears throat> um, he used to talk about this, the Jesus People Movement and all these, and these, these exact events. When I saw this advertised, so oh my gosh, Pastor Young used to describe these exact events of what it was like, of these hippies coming into the church and they'd lean their, their surfboards up outside the church and come in, you know, from, from, uh, from being, and, and, uh, you know, they were complaining because people were complaining because it was ruining the, the new carpet they put in and all this. And and Chuck Smith told him, well, you know, tear the carpet out and take it home with it if you want, because the Wait. hippies, you know, the, the hippies are coming in. That shows up in the movie and it is one yeah. of the most powerful parts of that movie. Let me just wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pastor Young, I mean, he used to tell me about this back in, you know, like 1990 of what it was like, what was going on. I mean, he he was very accurate to what I saw portrayed in, in what I've seen of the movie. I mean, they said that Chuck Smith used to that they would stand at, in the Pacific Ocean and baptize yeah, people, kids from from sun up to sundown. And the yeah. line was just like never ending. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that's something because the Pacific Ocean is cold. At its best, it's cold. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the only I'm thing I don't understand. The only other thing that I don't understand is that generation is still alive. Well, and that generation is the screwed it up generation that we were talking about. A little bit older than you, the heart of the baby boomers. Yeah, but they were all the people. Yeah. Where are they at? Well, they died young because of all the drugs. We well, that's <laughs> I they were I, actually there's a, there's a lot of them that are still alive. I'm like, you're kidding me. The way that guy lived, he's still alive. Um, They're only being kept alive by the drugs. <laughs> um, I, I think I it's think, also you know, you've let they've let they've let culture, yeah, seep in. That's the I, yeah. I will tell you this: the leaven of Herod, the culture society, it's. Yeah. With that level of revival, the downside of it is you can't get everyone discipled the way they need yes, to be. Yes, that would be true. And they just get yeah. a very small little dose of like, God loves you, you're saved, Jesus died for your sins. And that's, and that's, they don't, they never get any deeper than that. Um, and, you know, we as a church, we hear, we see Jesus as the good shepherd carrying the lamb and he loves you and God is love, love, love. You know, we miss the places where Paul said, hey, you Judaizers, don't stop at the foreskin. Go all the way and castrate yourselves. And that's what he's, you know, um, he says, you know, I'm coming to town and we're going to find out who's in charge when I get there, baby. We're going to throw down. I mean, there's a lot of really hard stuff in Scripture that we never talk about. Jesus, Cade, one of your favorites, you know, any of you that causes one of these little ones to stumble, you'd be better off to have a millstone thrown around your neck, you know, or tied around your neck and thrown into the deep. I mean, there's some, that's not warm and fuzzy, I love you, you know, we don't teach that kind of stuff. You know how what we you know how what we don't do anymore with um, immigration is 
people come into the country and then for a while they would literally close immigration and allow those people to assimilate. assimilate. Right. Is that kind of, as much as I don't want to say it, is that something that the church needs to do? Because are we just bringing them in at the surface level and they're never, and they're never assimilating? Interesting point because I heard someone giving a, you know, talking about secularism in the church and how, how what has really happened is the church has assimilated into culture and that's what the yeah. woke and progressive church we, is we don't for the most we've done the opposite we for the most part don't disciple because people don't want to disciple because it's like everything else we're saying it takes personal responsibility and work and you have to do you have to be accountable to make the changes in your life that are not fun and pleasant and comfortable um, it's why I say scripture has to be authoritative where I see that my life doesn't line up with scripture. I don't try to um, justify or rationalize what it's scripture is saying. I have to submit my life to the authority of scripture and change what I'm doing, not change the explanation of scripture. So that's not fun and it's not easy and nobody wants to do it. We had a church when I pastored in California that was very, very good evangelistically. But I had a lot of people that I met and talked to. They would be there a couple of years and then they moved on because literally the church did nothing but evangelize. Then there was, there was no depth of teaching after that. And that's okay. I would say as long as the church realizes that's the role that we play. Yes. And then we do want to point them somewhere yeah. that they're going to get more discipleship. But the other the other message of this is with this uh, is it called Jesus Revolution? Yeah, Jesus Revolution is that man will always screw it up. None of this oh, is going to last and they don't, long term. They but also they don't they don't try. They show the humanity of Lonnie Frisbee and the like some of the downfall and the the falling out of those two. And, and I appreciated that that was in there. Well, even Calvary Chapel today, and going back to Chuck Smith, um, I'm not going to go into it here, but there's real issues there now with years that have passed and new generations that have come in. So that's just the way it is. Because if you're not in that first generation that, that's a part of the revolution and you get a generation or, or two removed from it, you're always going to not see the original and you're going to get too many of your own motives and agendas involved in it. And it's it, and that's why God has to rise somebody, raise somebody up again and again and again and again. And we've seen it throughout history. And it's going to continue to be that way until Jesus comes back. The problem is that we start focusing on man in these situations rather than on Jesus. Which that's exactly one thing I will happened, say about... Yeah. One thing that I'll say about so good about the Toronto blessing, John Arnott was the pastor at the Toronto airport vineyard. They, they had to leave vineyard because vineyard basically chased them off. He... Most people and thousands and th tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people were affected by the Toronto blessing. A lot of them had no idea who John Arnott was. And that's good. That's, that's what he was so good at being so low key. I mean, if he took one of his hands out of his pocket, you knew he was really wound up. <laughs> I mean, that's just how low key the guy was. And that was a really good thing for that. Um, you mentioned because that it was wasn't vineyard. about a personality. Yeah, it was Toronto Airport Vineyards Which where it originally started. I didn't realize Lonnie Frisbee went on to found to start the Vineyard Movement. Which after seeing that movie, I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> well, right, because I happened to be friends with a guy uh, in California who was the sixth Vineyard Church in existence. He was the pastor, uh, and he said that what happened was is that guys like this Lonnie Frisbee and them 
were like these Jesus people that come in and are getting saved and they're reading their Bibles and they go to leadership in, in Chuck Smith's church. Right. You know, uh, I don't know if they were called Calvary Chapel at that time or not, but going, when do we do this stuff? When do we do this stuff? Yeah. And they're like, what stuff? <laughs> the stuff in the Bible, you know, like, like opening axe. blind eyes and raising <laughs> the dead. and Yeah. And they go, well, we don't really do that stuff here. You know, it's not that we don't believe it. We don't, but we don't. And, and they were encouraged. If that's something you want to pursue, you probably want to go off and do your own thing. And that's how the vineyard got started. Now, what's really fascinating to me is that vineyard then, when the Toronto Blessing started, that's yeah. exactly that's what, what they did happening. to John Arnott. <laughs> and so it's he... People, man. People. Yeah. Yeah. We don't so. just need, like, simply someone to rise up. We need a, we need a new judge. No. Those people <laughs> were messed up people. We need a new Which, judge. Which, so is Lonnie Frisbee, Samuel? I guess. Yeah, we're Sam, all Samson. Those people up had, people. I know, but those people had major issues. Come on, Samson was a psycho. Jephthah ended up sacrificing <laughs> his daughter. The judges were messed up. Tent stake. <laughs> that book's I crazy. Need, I need, I need a tent stake. Hey, last fun thing, Dad. Did you know that? One of the creators of Phineas and Ferb signed a deal with Disney to revive it for 40 new episodes. So here's hoping they don't no. put anything. That's going to be yeah. woke garbage. Did you, Ferb is uh, gender neutral. <laughs> What's this? I heard that they're going back and, and, and changing, rewriting. Oh, yeah, Charlie and the, the Chocolate Factory. Wrong dolls. Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, you can't say fat. It's enormous you know, and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. I, I heard somebody making this point out. It's They said, do you notice how um, all the word changes that we make, it's always more Keith complicated yeah. to say the alternative. <laughs> more syllables and but, words. To but, <laughs> but, but my, no, I think but, who you're meaning to reference is Corinne. Corinne pointed that out. She said, oh. I don't have time to say that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In but, Bevington that's Dancer, right, the beating. She did. You're right. She did. But see, the 180 of that is the point. That's why we have the smaller, succinct words because we didn't want to say the excessively large, white, blah, 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 blah person. We just wanted to say the fat guy. Okay? We just, we, that's why we have. And use the terms that we do to simplify and make things more succinct. So the only way you cannot that you can undo the, the our current vocabulary is to add all these more longer complicated terms. I was always told, you know, in writing in English that wordiness was bad. And I hate wordiness. And I try to not be wordy and clear and succinct. Yeah, you know, so I, yeah, they're making me wordy. I always I always marveled at when I was in seminary, when you would read, uh, we had to read a lot of stuff that was from British theologians. They are so good at writing. They say in two sentences what it takes an American author, you know, two paragraphs to say. It's so tight and the words that they use and choose are so descriptive that they say so much more with so much less. And that's good. Yeah, like we say French fries and they just say chips. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>